Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Before we get on to the interview today with Gil Grusen of the YouTube channel Radio Prepper, I wanted to point out that part of the problem with this interview was the audio quality. After the interview ended, Gil and I did a little bit of troubleshooting and he found that his computer had switched him from the USB headphone microphone that he thought he was talking into into the computer microphone and that is why the audio quality was so terrible on his end. Rather than record it all over again and take another two hours out of our lives, we decided just to put it up as it is. Hopefully you'll get some value out of it. Also, I wanted to let you know that I am now taking crew applications for the 2023 Atlantic crossing from Spain to the Canary Islands, from the Canary Islands to the Cape Verde Islands, and from the Cape Verde Islands to Grenada or to the Caribbean, wherever I end up in the Caribbean. If you are interested in joining me for this crossing, and there's going to be three open positions, one for each leg, go to the website medsailor.com and then just click on the menu item Atlantic Crossing Crew Positions. The first crew will join me in Seville, Spain on January 7th, and we will sail down to Las Palmas in the Canary Islands, where they will depart on January 24th, 2023. The second crew will join me in Las Palmas, the Canary Islands, on January 27th and depart February 7th from Mindelo, the town of Mindelo, in the Cape Verde Islands. And the last crew, which is the long haul, will be joining me in Mindelo in the Cape Verde Islands and sail to Grenada. They will join me on February 12th, 2023, and hopefully we will arrive in Grenada much before March 4th, but March 4th is when they are scheduled to depart, 2023. That last crossing should take about 17 days, but I've given us 22 days for the crossing. That last crossing, the last crossing from Cape Verde to Grenada is 2,167 nautical miles. The first leg from Spain down to Las Palmas Canary Islands is about 780 nautical miles. I've given us 18 days for that passage. That should be more than enough, probably almost by double. The second crew position from Las Palmas to the Cape Verde Islands is 870 nautical miles. We've given ourselves 12 days for that that passage. If you're interested, again, go to the website medsailor.com. Click on the menu item Atlantic Crossing Crew Positions. Take a look at it or write me directly Franz1, and that's the number one, at medsailor.com. Now let's get on to the interview with Gil. All right, I've, I've got Gil Grusen on the line on Skype, and the recorder is running. And Gil, it's, uh, it's been a while since we talked. Uh, the last episode we did, we just talked about ham radio for, for sailors. And today I wanted to dive into the trenches a little bit more. And 
I guess I'm sort of selfish on doing this because I've got to go back to my boat and I'm preparing uh, my boat for a 2023 Atlantic crossing and I want to make sure my ham radio is working my Kenwood TS440S uh, which went with me across the Atlantic and what's not working right now is my antenna because what I did with this is I just ran a, um, a half uh, half wavelength antenna a backstay antenna tuned to 20 meters and it goes up to uh, just the backstay and it it worked fine on my crossing but I want to just talk today about the uh, the different antenna configurations that you might use on a boat and we might talk about both VHF and uh, and HF and by the way Gil has got one of the best YouTube channels out there it's called Radio Prepper and uh, whenever I'm searching for answers on uh, on different items for instance I built a, a 49 to 1 balloon or un un which is that antenna matching system from from watching your videos and uh, uh, so I mean it's one of my go-to websites for answering questions on ham radio and you do a great job so I want to thank you for that thank you so Gil let's talk about antennas for boats you've got quite a few videos on different antennas but let's talk specifically the best approach including like coax balancing unknowns that sort of thing for boats what do you what do you do on your boat well i've tried uh, i've tried different things um and it's it's not easy <laughs> antennas on the especially a sailboat uh it's it's difficult because of course we have the we have the mass and the rigging and uh, rigging is is most of the time it's metal and uh, of course the mast is you know aluminum most of the time also uh, so we have uh, we have issues with uh, those uh, metal uh, uh, pieces, you know, metal mast and, and rigging that interact with the antenna and can uh, can do some funny things <laughs> and not always desirable. So the problem is to to you know how do you install your antenna in such a way that it's not too close to the rigging or it's not interacting with the rigging. And then you have weird things going on, and you don't, you're not quite sure exactly what your radiation pattern is going to be. Um, and you know, is is your rigging connected to uh, the ground? Um, you know, your, the, the negative of your battery. Uh, so it, there's a lot of things to consider uh, when you install an antenna, on a, especially on a sailboat. A powerboat, you wouldn't have those problems because, of course, you have you don't have a mast, you don't have rigging, so. You could install a you know pretty long antenna uh, without having any trouble. It's not close to anything. Uh, now we have uh, we have a big advantage on the boat, of course, is that you have a, a saltwater ground plane. So that's and that's huge because that will really uh, improve the performance of your antenna. So basically, one one side of our antenna is going to be uh, ideally connected to. Uh, to ground, so to the water. Um, of course, if you use a half-wave and fed, like you mentioned, with a 49 to 1 uh, onion, um, it, it remains debatable if, if using the salt water is, is uh, beneficial or not. I would say probably yes. But then it's not really an unfed anymore, really. 
<laughs> because one side of it is in the water. Um, so that's my, my main concern is really the interaction with the rigging. So, of course, there are ways around that. Uh, say, for instance, you could use uh, Dyneema. I think that's how you pronounce it. So non-metallic rigging, uh, that would definitely, uh, you know, improve the situation. Uh, on my uh, my previous boat, I had a, an insulated, an in, I mean, insulators on the backstay. And so uh, the backstay was, of course, you know, metal, metal rigging with uh, insulators. And I, I connected my antenna, which was an unfed, uh, with a 9 to 1 uh, on an, and that's for random length wires. So it wasn't a half wave. Uh, a half wave is always better because the performance is better. Um, but uh, if you want, you know, multi-band, multi-frequency use, then it's you might want to use a nine-to-one on an. And I, I know it's getting complicated, so I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you uh, direct me in a more. Uh, you know, in, 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 a, in the direction you want to, to ask. Okay, so let's back up a little bit for those that are looking at this and don't really have uh, the knowledge that you do. Because, again, everything's easy once you know it. So you know it, so it's easy to, for you. But let's just first of all talk about um, what we're trying to do. Uh, we're trying to match a 50-ohm coax lead, which is the coax cable, and uh, into an antenna. So let's talk about what, Ununs are, or sometimes they're called balans, B-A-L-U-Ns. Uh, let's talk about that for a minute. All right. So, well, basically, um, and I'll, I'll go a little bit before uh, about what an antenna really, you know, how an antenna works. Uh, an antenna needs to radiate the current that's provided by uh, the radio. And uh, that current is, is you know, is, is AC current, basically, because it's and it goes positive, then goes negative. It's it's basically like uh, your uh, your house uh, power, uh, but it's it's radio frequency uh, current. But it's still it's AC. So you need uh, when you have a cycle that goes up and then down, positive, negative. You have the, you have a sign. Um, you basically. If you want to radiate all the current efficiently, you need a half-wave antenna because you have the, say, the positive, then you have the negative side, and that, of course, doesn't happen at the same time. So you want to radiate half of that cycle and then the other half. So basically, you need a half-wave. Now, normally, a, uh, most antennas are dipoles. Okay, so... What we do is that, you know, of course, when you have a coax, uh, you, have, uh, you have two contacts. You have the center of the coax, and you have the shield of the coax. And a dipole, uh, you simply take a half wave, you cut it in half, so now you have two quarter waves. You connect one quarter wave to the shield and one quarter wave to the center. Now, the impedance of a dipole, uh, so basically uh, impedance is the uh, resistance to, uh, to AC current or radio frequency current, is about, it's around maybe 71, 73, you know, 
70s homes. <laughs> but it's not 50. Um, however, it's, it's close enough to 50 that uh, it's, it's not a problem. So when you, when you install an antenna, you have to measure the, uh, what's called the SWR. So the SWR is a ratio, it's the standing wave ratio, is a formula to, to calculate that. Basically, it's a ratio between the power that you're radiating and the power that you know, comes back to the radio, basically. So the lower that ratio is, the better. And of course, it has to be under a certain value because the power that's not being radiated is going to be dissipated uh, in heat, in the form of heat, in the final transistors of the radio. So that can cause damage. If they, uh, they get too hot, they can fry. And that can happen quickly on some radios and, you know, not so quickly on others. But it's important to verify that ratio. Okay, so uh, installing a dipole on a boat, that, <laughs> that would be difficult because, of course, um, you have to have two quarter waves. Where are you going to put that? One way to do that would be, for instance, to have the coax go up the mast to the top of the mast. And at the top of the mast, you would have the shield of the coax connected to, you know, that would be the backstay, basically, you know, insulated. And then you would have a, uh, the, the center of the coax would go to, to the bow. But it, that's, you know, that gets a bit complicated because now you have to insulate uh, those two wires that are a quarter wave, and it's 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 not easy. I mean, it's 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 more of a problem than if you use an anfed. Now I'd explain what an anfed uh, half wave is. Okay. Now instead of feeding that dipole in the middle, so basically two quarter wave, we're just going to connect the center of the coax to to the end of the, uh, of, the, of the wire. So we have a half-wave wire. So let's say we are on, I'm gonna use uh, an example here, you know, with amateur radio frequencies, of course, but let's say 40 meters. So 40 meters, that's the, uh, the band, it's seven megahertz. And the, the length of the, uh, of that signal, uh, of, the, the, of the wavelength, basically, is 40 meters, so a half-wave is 20 meters. So the antenna has to be 20 meters long. Ideally, now we can, there are ways to shorten that, but uh, ideally that antenna should be 20 meters long. So if we made a dipole, so fed in the center, it would be twice 10 meters. Now, if we uh, use a, an unfed half wave, it's the same wire, but it's not cut in half, and we're going to feed it at the end. But there is a problem with that because the further you move away from the center for feeding the antenna, the higher the impedance is going to go, is going to be. And it can be, when fed at the end, uh, thousands of ohms. And of course, that's way too much. Your radio is never going to be able to, uh, to use that. And even if you have a tuner, it's not going to work because the tuner, it's just too far. Uh, it's too big of a difference, basically. So what you want to do, you want to find a, a, a way or device that will take that impedance that, uh, 
that is 3,000 ohms, maybe you know, 3,000 ohms, something like that, and reduce that to 50 ohms. And it's, that's the reason why we use a, an anon, so that means unbalanced to unbalanced, because your wire is, uh, is not balanced, it's, uh, it's, it's not fed in the middle, it's not uh, symmetrical. And the coax is also unbalanced, so it's uh, un -un, unbalanced to unbalanced. And that's a transformer that will transform the impedance, divided by, say if you use a 49 to 1, it will divide the impedance by 50. And then we get close enough to, close enough to 50 ohms that your radio can use it. Okay. I, hey, Gil, are you, mm -hmm. are you using your microphone speaker? Because you're nowhere near as clear as the last time we talked. Oh, okay. Let me see. What about um, something like that, maybe? That's still the same. It's about the same. Okay. I didn't change anything, no. Um, okay. Well, we'll just go with this. No, don't worry about it. I mean, I can hear you. It's just not, it's not as clear as it was the last time we talked. So that's, that's I was kind of curious. So, okay. 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 So. All right. So. Continue well, on. So, didn't, didn't mean to interrupt right, you. So, so, in my opinion, the, the Amstead half-wave is a little bit easier to install than, than a dipole would be on a boat. Um, because then you only have to deal with the, uh, the backstay, for instance, and, and nothing else. But it's going to be a little bit shorter because, of course, um, you know, if, say, you have, a, you know, you can maybe, your backstay can be 10 meters long. Uh, that's going to work on the 20-meter uh, band, but not lower. And we use, you know, I, I like the 40-meter band. I, I like to go a little bit uh, lower. Or I like the 30-meter band also for, for Moscow, CW. So it's, it's, it's easier, but it's, it doesn't, you know, it's, you get a shorter antenna, basically. So uh, what I've tried on my boat, I tried to, uh, for instance, to use a, a telescopic mast, a 12 meter long telescopic mast. My, my, uh, my mast, the boat mast, is uh, 8 meters long. And so it, it was, you know, 4 meters above that. But... I found that it really didn't work because uh, even though I used a, uh, an antenna mast, a spider beam, which is not like a, it's not as um, flexible uh, as a fishing pole. Fishing pole would have been way too flexible, but even even so, the mast would, would just whip right and left, and because the the boat was rolling, of course, as the boat rolls, and that was an anchor, uh, the mast would just violently uh, sway. Uh, left and right, so it wasn't really usable and I, I could not use a tele telescopic mast. I had to attach my wire to, to the top of the mast, basically uh, hoist it up and uh, uh, attach it to the, to the stern. But then, you know, comes the problem of the length, because if you're staying in the uh, upper frequencies, that's not a problem because, you know, you can go on 20 meters, you can go on the, on, you know, 10 meters maybe, or 12 meters, or 15 meters, uh, you can switch your wire depending on the band you want to go on. And if you can accommodate a half wave, you're good to go. The problem comes when you want to go lower, say on you know, 40 meters. I, 
you know, few people have a 20 meter mass on their boat. <laughs> That's 60, 65 feet. Okay, that would be a big boat. I'd love, to, I'd love to have that problem. <laughs> but I, I certainly don't. Um, so that's when we're going to use a uh, a nine to one cannon. Because when you use a random wire, when it's not a half wave, the impedance is going to be lower. Instead of a few thousand ohms, it's going to be a few hundred ohms. So we don't have to divide it by 50. Actually, if we do divide it by 50, it's not going to work because it's going to to be too far from, from, from 50, what the radio wants to see. So what, what we do in that case, when we are not using a half-wave wire, that we're going to use a 9 to 1 anon. Now, it's not the, the same winding, and it's not the same uh, torrid material. For instance, for the uh, 49 to 1, or sometimes I make 64 to 1 uh, anons, and that's for when the wire is really thin, uh, you need a little bit of a higher uh, divider, so to speak. But uh, 49 to 1, um, we use um, material 43. So, for instance, I might use on a boat an FT240-43. Uh, and 240 is the size, and 43 is the material. And that can dissipate, uh, well, not dissipate, but it, you know, it can handle uh, probably, I would say, you know, easily maybe 100 watts, SSB, 150 watts, something like that. And, you know, of course, you can put two or three stacked together. That's another story. You know, you have to look into the design of Ansel Halfwaves, and, of course, I could talk about that for, for hours. And we're not going to do that, but uh, there are ways to handle more power, basically. But... To, to uh, recap, either you're going to use a halfway wire with a 49 to 1 anon, or you're going to use what we call a random wire, which is not really random because really, in fact, it's actually anything but a halfway wire. And there are lengths that you can find. There are, there, it's actually listed as a website. I don't, you can find it. You can find the uh, Lengths for a random wire antennas, you know, and said, and you'll find the, uh, you'll find those those pages. Um, but there are specific lengths for amateur radio that actually avoid half wave lengths on most, if not all, the bands. Okay. So in that case, we uh, we choose a length, you know, uh, depending on our mass, we're going to choose the, the one of those lengths and take the longest possible. You know, that will go from the top of the mass to the stern, we have to have an insulated stay or a non-metallic stay with the wire attached to it. And then we have our 9 to 1 uh, at the bottom where the coax comes in and the wire comes out. And of course, in that case, we're going to take another wire, which one way or another is going to be connected to the water around, you know, around the boat. And in that case, we need a tuner. So the 49 to 1, you don't need a tuner. It's going to work on, uh, on the band that you chose and, and the, the harmonics of that band, so higher frequency. So no need for a tuner for the 41, 49 to 1 with a hand, uh, halfway wire.
but the 9 to 1, because it's a random wire, it's not a uh, resonant antenna, you need a tuner. And you're going to lose a little bit of performance. But on the other hand, you gain the ability to have a truly uh, multi-band, multi-frequency antenna that you can use for ham radio, you can use with your uh, uh, marine HF radio and the tuner, and, and you can use you know, pretty much any uh, frequency as long as that wire is not a half wave of that frequency, basically. And that's for the, you know, that basically sums it up for the uh, unfed antennas. All right, let me ask you a question, because this is the problem I'm having. I Now, when I came across the Atlantic, I was, I knew enough to pass the exam and learn the code, and because you had to take a code test at that time for the general license. And the reason I wanted the general license is it gave me the access to the HF bands. You can get a technician license, which gives you access to the VHF bands, and that's line of sight. But I wanted to be able to skip right. and get long distance. So what I did on my boat is I just basically tuned in uh, probably to the middle of the 20-meter band and uh, cut a half wavelength uh, backstay with insulation insulation on both sides. So I, basically an insulated backstay antenna tuned to the 20 meter mm -hmm. band. And I just connected the center of my coax just to that wire, ran it to my uh, radio and grounded it to the, uh, to the, to the, you know, to the, to, to the ocean. And mm -hmm. it seemed to work fine. Um, and so now I'm going back to the boat in a couple of weeks, in a few weeks, and I've, I've wound a 49 to 1 unun because I thought, well, maybe I should just put an unun here. But my problem is I cannot put the unun up where I feed the uh, backstay, where I feed the antenna, the backstay antenna, mm -hmm. because uh, it would be interfering with my wind vane, which pivots off the backstay antenna. And so I was wondering, well, can I put the unun uh, inside the lazarette and run a wire up to the backstay? But that's going to mess with the radiation of uh, of the of the uh, of the antenna. So I don't think I can do that. I'm wondering if I just need to go back to what I started out with without putting an unun in there. What are your thoughts? Well, okay. What happens when you don't put an unun and you have uh, the, the shield that is grounded to, to the water around it? Basically, what you you don't have an unfed anymore. Uh, you've created a, a dipole. With one half of the dipole is your wire, and the other half is actually kind of a fictitious quarter wave that's in the in, in the water. Basically, that's that's created kind of artificially, you know, in the salt water because it's conductive. So what you had was uh, basically kind of, and I'm saying again, kind of, a dipole for 40 meters, which would also work on 20 meters because it's a harmonic. It's twice the frequency. Okay. So you, were lucky, you were lucky there that, that it worked. If you had not used, uh, if you had not grounded the shield of your coax, it would not have worked. I'm, uh, I'm convinced of that because then you would have a very, you know, extremely high impedance. What what happened is that you lowered that impedance by connecting the shield to to uh, to the ocean. Okay, 
but I was very specific to 20 meters. I, I never tried it on 40 meters. I, always, I was always looking for, I never even tried it once on 40 meters. I probably should have, but I just went straight to 20 meters. That's what I operated on because it gave me the longer distance I was looking for, the skip that I was looking for. And, uh, and I never really had that much luck on 40 meters. Uh, and I, of course I was sideband, I wasn't CW. And, uh, but it worked. And so I'm going back now, would you suggest just going back to that since it seemed to work to begin with? Now I could not tune outside of that specific 20 meter band. The, 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 the transceiver had an automatic antenna built into it, but it would not match very far out of the, uh, out of the 20 meters. But but you you still had to uh, you still had to use the tuner I guess right yeah I would tune it every right. time I turned it on so, but but yeah right because the uh, because of course the uh, the ocean is not doesn't have the same you know conductivity as a you know copper wire of course a steel wire so uh, so you didn't have a, a perfect dipole basically you had a you know kind of an approximation of a dipole uh, it probably could have worked on forty because again it you know would have been not exactly correct but maybe it would have been close enough that your tuner could match the difference. Okay. Now, another thing you could do is that you could have a trailing wire in, in, in the water behind the boat. Hmm. And that would be a, a quarter wave trailing wire. Okay. Um, you could even have a little reel, for instance, a reel with wire on it. And depending on the frequency you're using, you're going to, you could let go a little bit of wire or, or, you know, reel in a little bit of wire and change the length of that wire, the trailing wire in the water, to, to match the impedance of, you know, the frequency you're trying to use. And hmm. theoretically, you know, if you have a quarter wave of your mass and a quarter wave in the water, you should, you know, you should be, uh, you should be more precise, basically. And again, you might have to reel, it, reel that in a little bit because, you know, your wire would still be touching the, the water, so it's kind of there and you know that changes the, uh, the uh, theoretical length of, of that wire so it's not really easy to predict what's going to happen as far as impedance is concerned but by having a reel and, and you let go that wire or bring it in a bit you could adjust your impedance like that and that's that's kind of neat that, uh, that you could do that now if i come back to your uh, 1491 you could you could put it somewhere else as long as the wire that you're you know, connected to the backstage uh, is kind of, you know, doesn't make like spirals or, or, or you know, like a real uh, figure that, you know, turns and, and, and so on. Uh, so if you can get it, you know, as straight as possible, and if it doesn't exceed 90 degrees from the, uh, from the antenna wire on the backstage, theoretically it should work. Hmm. Also, if it's not so if it's not too close to other metallic objects, you know, like you mentioned, your wind vane, uh, or maybe you have, you know, piece of backstay after an insulator or, you know, any other metallic object, if you can keep that wire away from metal, uh, that would be, uh, that would be better. No, and that won't work because it's going to be taped right to the backstay because again, my, my, uh, my vane, my wind vane pivots around the backstay. And uh, right. and it's, so I've got to keep it tight against there. Otherwise, the uh, the wire would be in the way of the wind vane. So it's a, that's a problem I've got. Mm -hmm. 
So it's not a perfect well, I mean, setup, it, it, but it but it did work, it, which you know, which now right. I'm now I'm sort of surprised that it actually did work. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's worth a try because honestly, uh, again, on a boat you have so many variables with with the ocean, with the rigging, with with a lot of things that you know the way you install the antenna. Um, sometimes you can have good surprises, you know. Sometimes you'll have bad ones, but it's kind of difficult to predict. It's not easy to, to know in advance what's going to work. Uh, what I've used before is uh, I used a, a three-meter width with a, a, an unun an unun at the base, and uh, that was the, uh, the uh, chameleon empath system. So it's a five-to-one unun with a three-meter width, and that was clamped to the uh, to the back of the to the stern. The, the, I had, there was some steel tubing there that I clamped. Uh, there's a clamp that comes with it, and I clamped that on, and that worked fine. Uh, of course, it's a shorter antenna, so you have a, you know three meters. That's not that's not long enough, not quite long enough. It works probably down to let's say 10 megahertz, maybe like 30 meters. Uh, if you want to go lower than that, it's really not the best. You're better off using a wire. Uh, so, uh, see, it's a lot of experimentation that you can do uh, with a backstay like that, an insulated backstay. Uh, now, there are other ways you could, uh, there are other types of antennas that you could use on a boat. Uh, for instance, you could, if you really wanted to go low on frequency, you could have a, uh, you, could have a you could have a loop, basically. So, a loop would be a wire that would go from, the, from inside the boat, from the cabin, that would go to the bow, up the mast, continue down, you know, as a backstay, down to the stern, and then back inside the cabin. And those, those, that single wire would be connected, you know, one end to the center of the coax and the other end to the shield. And that's a, that's a closed loop, loop. And of course, you'd have to use a tuner for that, and you probably would have to use a four-to-one balance. Now, that would be a balance this time, not a balance. Uh, and then the tuner, and that could allow you maybe to go uh, on lower frequencies, like you know, more easily on the 40 meters, maybe even on, on 80 meters. But uh, but the installation of something like that would be fairly complicated, really. And you would have a lot of interactions with, you know, quite a quite a few things, and uh, so theoretically, uh, it could work. <laughs> theoretically, <laughs> okay. Let's talk about because I know you wanted when we ta finished talking last time. We said, "Oh, I didn't even get a chance to talk about kite antennas." Have you done? Oh that? yes, I did, right. Uh, I really want to, and I've studied the. Uh, I've studied that. Um, no, it's fairly, it's fairly uh, theoretically again fairly easy because of course you need a kite. If, of course, if you're sailing, it's probably wind, and um, you could use a box kite. Uh, people use box kites. Uh, they they kind of look like uh, you know modern parachutes, mm -hmm. and uh, they string a wire. So there are two two ways to go uh, to go by it. It's one way is to uh, to have a like a nylon line, which is the line of the kite, basically. It's just you know, non-conductive, of course. And you attach. You also attach your wire on the kite. So basically, you have the the kite line, and you have your antenna wire. Those are separate 
you know, and mm-hmm. and run the, run your wire down to a uh, again a forty nine to one uh, onion with a halfway wire, and then you could go, you know, if you want to go down to one point eight megahertz, one hundred and sixty meters, not, you know, nothing prevents you from doing that, and that's pretty uh, that's pretty neat. And if you have a uh, you have a kite on board. Uh, that's a really, uh, it's a really neat way to to be able to have an extremely performant antenna. Uh, that you know you could keep away from the rigging basically, and uh, and that would work uh, wonders. I, I I bet. The only thing that you have to be careful about is that uh, the wind on the uh, on the wire is going to create static electricity, and that could be enough voltage to fry your radio. <laughs> That's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so you have to keep that in mind because you know if you just connect your kite antenna and you just you know you're just happy and parking on the radio and all of a sudden zap you know and you're done. Um, so what you have to do absolutely is to have a uh, a bleeding resistor. So you're going to take a resistor that's very high value, like uh, 10 mega ohms, for instance. And that resistor is going to go from your wire to uh, to the water, and that will bleed uh, the static electricity to to the ocean, and so it won't go to your radio. And the the resistor is such a high value that it's not going to uh, impede your your signal basically because it you know, doesn't conduct much, so you're not going to lose uh, uh, signal uh, over that resistor. And but then, that's, that's a it would not it would not need to be a high wattage resistor either. It could just be a regular smaller resistor, right? I would think so because really, um, really you're not uh, you're not bleeding current. You know, it's just voltage basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would probably get you know, I would do, I wouldn't get a you know quarter quarter watt resistor to do that just for mechanical reasons uh, because it's uh, you know it's fairly fragile and even if you I guess you could put it in a box you know mm-hmm. um, but I would I would use probably something a little bit bigger just for the just for the uh, the, the mechanical you know mechanical uh, properties yeah just because it's bigger physically bigger then is what you're right. thinking then okay yeah mm-hmm. what about let's talk about coax cable because now I'm debating on there's different types of coax cable and, and the difference is the loss that you get, the, the the gain that you lose in feeding the antenna. And uh, let's talk about, uh, and I'm thinking on my boat, uh, for the VHF antenna at the top of the mast, and I'm not going to go with a 2-meter VHF, I'm just going to go with the regular uh, VHF, marine VHF antenna mm-hmm. at the top of the mast. And I need to replace that because I'm not getting connection there. I think over the years my coax is either basically my handheld radios work fine but my in place VHF radio does not transmit anymore so obviously it's either the antenna at the top of the mast which has been there for 30 years or the feed or the coax so this year I'm going to have to replace that coax cable that goes up about a 40 foot mast and then comes uh, takes probably another Oh, 20 feet to, to wind it around to get to the actual radio inside the boat. And um, the, when I calculated it, based on the loss line, the, the gain lost, they say you want to keep the loss on the line below 2... What is it? Below 2... 
2 dB. 2 dB, that's what I'm looking for, between, below 2 de decibels, yeah. And, uh, and that was the only one that would do it other than the, the very, very heavy cables. Uh, but going right. back to the, my backstay antenna, that is only going to probably be about, no, 25 feet. So I could probably go with a lower, a smaller coax cable. RG8X is what I'm thinking about. So let's, first of all, let's just, we're throwing around terms that people may not understand. So let's just go through the feed line to the antenna. Hmm. All right. So basically uh, your coax, uh, there is one thing that you have to make sure of is that you get the coax cable that is has a 50 ohm impedance. That's the other uh, requirement, uh, the, the first requirement. Um, after that, basically you want to avoid losses and you want a certain, you know, mechanical, uh, you, you want your coax to, to, to be fairly, uh, fairly strong. Uh, so you're probably not going to use like very thin coax like RG316 or RG170, I think it's 174. Um, those are very thin coax cables, and although they work great for, you know, go up mountain to activate the summit, uh, you know, uh, in short runs, uh, they're, they're not mechanically uh, strong, so they are to be avoided. Anything bigger than that, like you mentioned, RG8X, is uh, it's a, a bit thicker cable, probably in the order of, I would think, if I remember well, like five or six millimeters. So... That's much stronger, and you that's definitely better. Now, for HF, you don't really have to worry about losses on a boat, unless you have a 300-footer, <laughs> in which case you might you know, want to think about that. But So that's something I didn't know. I thought I had to worry about loss on a VHF, but I, you're telling me that RG8X is fine versus RG8U. No, on a... No, on, uh, I said on HF. On oh, HF. On HF. Good. Okay, I'm sorry. No. Okay. Because the frequencies lower, you're going to have you're going to have much much less losses, and they're it's pretty negligible uh, for for the lengths we we are concerned with here. Now, VHF. That's another story. Um, although marine VHF isn't that high, you know, it's 160 some uh, megahertz. Um, it, it's not too high. Uh, what would be really uh, uh, much worse would be like UHF, you know, like the 70 centimeter band, for instance. You need very, very good uh, coax cable for that because then you're going to have much, much higher losses because of the frequency. And also, you have to be very careful of the, of the type of connectors that you use. For HF and VHF, it's not as important. So, anything that, like, I would prefer RG8X uh, to RG. Uh, uh, 58U. I think it's. I think RG8X is better, if I remember well. I'd have to check, but. Um, yeah, I actually, I actually pulled up the, uh, the, the things, the decibel loss on that, and RG8. There's two RG8s. There's RG8U, which is the, uh, which is much thicker, much heavier, and then the RG8X, which is, uh, much thinner and easier to run. So I was. If I can get away with the RG away with the RG8X, that's what I'd prefer to do. I, I would think that that's probably would work fine because again, it's not we're not talking about 
UHF, and we're not talking about, you know, very long cables. So uh, it, it's, I would think it's probably okay. Uh, now, for for VHF and UHF, I use uh, LMR240UF. You might want to check that out. That's a very good cable. It's not easy to solder because you, are, you know it's double shielded, so um, it can be a pain to solder. But uh, it's it's a very good quality cable. So uh, LMR two forty UF UF stands for ultra flex. Although they should they should have called it less stiff because <laughs> it's not it's not that flexible. But I guess it's more flexible than the regular LMR two forty or. or the LMR 400, which is the thicker, the thicker type. But I use the 240 because I don't. I really. I use it mostly for VHF and and, and HF. So I don't. I don't do a whole lot of uh, UHF. And again, the length is not that long. So, but uh, what you really have to be uh, careful about, and and actually, I had the exact same problem you had on my VHF antenna, because I put an antenna analyzer on the. Uh, on the antenna, and that's that's a little gizmo that's really, uh, really extremely useful, and you can find one now for like fifty dollars. Okay. Yeah, the, I, I actually bought two of them. They're called. Well, the, are you thinking of the Nano VNA? Is that the one you're thinking? Of? Nano VNA, yes, that's the one. Yeah, I bought two of them because they were so cheap. I thought, well, I'll take that's one to the yeah. boat with me. Yeah. So. And and I put the antenna the antenna analyzer on the uh, on the coaxial on on the my VHF antenna, and it's it's way off. It's way off, and it's practically unusable uh, uh, with my radio. So what I did is that I put, I had, a, I just happened to have a tuner, a VHF tuner, which is kind of rare, uh, but I had one. I put a tuner on it, so you know, I, I, I fixed the impedance basically with a tuner, and uh, and it works. But I, I noticed that when I was on deck with, with a walkie-talkie, you know, a marine walkie-talkie, I was receiving better than with the antenna on top of the map. So definitely there is something that's going on there. And I, I'm, of course, I'm suspecting the cable because an antenna is just a piece of wire. You know, it's like a, I mean, a coat hanger would, would make a great antenna, right? We don't, so it, I'm not worried about the antenna, but the connectors maybe and the cable, you know, salt water, just, just salt water and electronics and connectors and cables. It's just, it's just murder. I mean, it's, it, it just kills everything. And I've had to replace connectors. I had I had to send a radio info repair after I put you know a little bit of salt water on it. Uh, salt water and electronics is just it just doesn't last. I mean, it's, and that's why it's important also just in you know passing that uh, you get radios that are you know marine marine grade radios or you know uh, good quality ham uh, uh, radio gear that you, you absolutely have to keep away from. Okay. But the connectors, how do you protect your connectors? And that's, well, and that's know, just it. When I did it uh, 30 years ago, um, I just uh, d basically had a barrel connector between two coax connectors, a PL239, is, I think that's what it is. And, uh, of course, it's been exposed to the elements ever since then, so I'm sure that's the connector is bad up there. I need to replace the whole coax. And, I, and while we've been talking, I pulled up a chart on coaxial cable attenuation loss over 100 feet 
and uh, RG8 and RG8U uh, on, at two meters, at the two meter bend, is 2.4, 2.4 decibel loss at 100 feet. And the RG14 and RG13, uh, RG213 is 2.4, and RG214 is 2.7. And then you said the LMR400, is that the one you were looking at? Uh, the, the 400, LMR 400, is just thick. Uh, it's pretty thick. It's, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's very it's expensive because I looked up the price of that, and that's super expensive too. That's, that's the other right. side of that. So it looks to so me the like... LMR, the LMR 240, the 240 UF, I don't know if you have it in your shop, but it's, it's, uh, it's not as thick. It's a little bit cheaper, but it's still a very good, very good you know, performance cable. 240. No, I don't see that on my chart. I see the LMR 400, the LMR 600, the LMR 1200, and that one's not on here. So that one's not on this particular chart. But it looks to me like I can get away with RG, uh, either RG uh, 8, and it doesn't, uh, RG 8X is actually pretty, pretty high at 100 feet. The RG 8X is, is a 4.4 decibel loss at 100 feet. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, so I'm probably um, going to have to go with RG214, RG213, or RG8, or 8U. That's pretty thick. That's pretty yeah. thick, though. And that's, that's what I've got up there right now is the RG8. And, uh -huh. uh, and, I, and, and it's a thick, it's almost like a half-inch thick. It's a thick cable that goes up the mast. Yep. I was hoping to go with a thinner cable, but it looks to me like I'm going to have to go back to, uh, to the RG8U again. Um, and well, you know, the, uh, the, if you can, if you can, of course it's better. Um, now you have to keep in mind that the height of your antenna is more important than the, the power you, you're going to feed it, you know, um, because it's, it's really the height of the antenna that's going to give you the range. Right, because it's line it's of sight with VHF, right. Exactly. So with the, the curvature of the earth, um, yeah, and there's a formula to calculate that, you know, line, line of sight formula. But uh, basically, you have two people with walkie-talkies, and uh, they are six feet tall. Uh, the d maximum distance between the two people are, is about seven miles. So that's, you know, of course, you imagine an antenna on top of a mast. You're going to expand that line of sight quite a bit. So you can have a very long uh, branch with, uh, with a higher antenna. And also, of course, there are you know special uh, modes of uh, propagation that can happen, like uh, tropospheric ducting and things like that. I mean, it gets it gets fairly complicated. But basically, you could have your radio waves uh, being refracted by uh, temperature inversions. So between the, temp the, the a temperature inversion and the, the surface of the water, or they could even uh, be uh, refracted between between two temperature inversions and go extremely far like that and, and follow the uh, basically the curvature of the Earth just a bit uh, uh, through those modes of propagation. But it, it's not, at sea, uh, it's not something you can predict and it's not something that, that you can rely on. So it's not, you know, you'll notice sometimes like uh, here in Antibes, uh, 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 sometimes I hear uh, Italian, uh, the Italian coast guard, you know, and and they're pretty far. I mean, they're pretty far. They're 
maybe the, those stations are probably a couple of hundred kilometers. You know, and uh, so it's definitely you can sometimes have very long propagation uh, paths like that, but it's it's not reliable. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But definitely the height of the antenna is very important. And then you have the quality of your cable and the fact that your antenna is also uh, the correct length so uh, that uh, it, it is resonant and uh, it is, it is uh, uh, basically cut to the correct length depending on the frequency of those channel 16 for us. Um, and, uh, and your radio has a, good, you know, has a good match with the antenna. If that, if those conditions are uh, are, uh, are present, you're going to have you know very good performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's important. Yeah, I'm looking actually at the diameter on. Uh, yeah, the, it looks to, like the thicker the diameter of the cable, the less the, <laughs> the less the attenuation loss right. on the uh, on the feed. Sure. So, okay. All right. And 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 the more expensive the cable is going to be, because like if you have a cable that is uh, double shielded. So basically, there is a, uh, a, a copper a, a copper mesh shield, and on top of that, they could have like, you know, like a wrapped uh, aluminum foil shielding on top of that. So, you know, that's you know, it gets fairly expensive for a cable because that's that's not easy to make, and uh, those cables are expensive. But you really you could have a you know, it can make for for longer uh, longer runs. Uh, it makes a big difference. And it's not it's not so much in uh, transmission, because again you don't need much power to go to go very far, uh, and that's a, that's that's a fallacy. It's it's a, it's a common belief that uh, you need to have an amplifier or you need to have 100 watts or you need to have you know the, the more power the better, and it's in practice it's not actually the case really. Um, but you're going to to be attenuating uh, uh, you know signals that you receive also. So. If you want to be able to receive, you know, weak signals and, and listen to stations that are further away, you know, when you, you turn off your squares and you, you try to, 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 to receive someone that's very far and trying to, to understand what they're saying, uh, if you have a bad cable, it's, a lot of that is going to be attenuated, you know, also. And uh, so you're going to lose in reception quality, basically. Uh, but probably not. Not in transmission, not in range, probably, but mostly uh, in reception. Okay. Well, that's good. I think that pretty much covers what we wanted, to, what I wanted to talk about on antennas. So basically, I'm going back to my boat, and I think I'm just going to do with what worked to begin with. I'm not going to be putting in an an uh, an. I'm just going to go with coax cable and connect it. And I might play with uh, doing a half wave wire off the back of the boat. But according to according to what we've talked about, I just got lucky in the fact that it worked. But I could not tune in the um, the uh, any, I, I I could I could listen. Of course, you can always listen on any antenna. You can listen on across all frequencies. But transmitting is always the problem. And when I came across, right. I would tune into the uh, the marine HF band near near twenty meter HF band for the marine band, and but I couldn't transmit on it. And my, uh, my right. transceiver is adjusted so I can transmit on any frequency I want. But, uh, but I could not match up the tuner to be able to transmit on that frequency. Mm -hmm. So very what narrow. I think I'm, Go ahead. Yeah, what I think I'm going to do on mine is that basically uh, I just want the, the, you know, the, the best of both worlds. So I think I'm going to put 
a 49 to 1, a 9 to 1, and probably also a trailing wire in, in the water, and have those on the switch, you know. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. So that depending on, depending on uh, the band that I want to go, uh, that I want to use, I can switch to, to uh, I can switch those, uh, the wire basically. I mean, I can switch to, I can, I can put in the, uh, the, the, the 49 to 1, or uh, you know, I can switch to the, the 9 to 1, or I could switch to basically uh, the wire of the mast and the, and, and the wire in, in the water, or you know, simply uh, connection to, to the ocean. But uh, that way, you know, if I have a three-way switch, I could switch between those three and and probably uh, one of them is going to work on, on you know probably uh, and of course you have to try because once again it's it's very easy to predict what's, what's uh, how it's going to work uh, but I would use all of them <laughs> yeah really yeah well, uh, and, and switch between the you know switch and even if I have even if I don't have a manual switch because those are pretty expensive too the antenna switches but um, I could very easily just uh, grab the wire that's connected to my backstay and just, you know, with a little electrical connector there and a and a butterfly nut, you know, I could yeah. just switch it. Take switch, take it to a, take it to a terminal block. That's that's cheap and exactly. easy. Yeah, take, take it to a terminal yeah. block. Yeah, I would probably do that. And and you know, using the tuner, uh, it probably would work on most most bands. You know, uh, uh, amateur and uh, and marine bands. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you could pretty much almost get them all uh, with that uh, with a setup like that. Hmm. So, what tuner do you use? What tuners have you used that seem to work well? Well, for uh, I, I use uh, see my my what I do is mostly a, a kind of uh, a, you know survival radio prepping things like that. So it's mostly uh, field operations and using a very light. Uh, antennas, very light radios, light batteries, something you can carry in a backpack, basically. So, so my tuner is a very small tuner. I have, I have two that I use that are very good. One is a kit, uh, comes uh, as a kit, it's called a ZM2. And uh, the other one is uh, made by Elecraft, and it's uh, an automatic tuner. And it's, um, it's the T1, T1 tuner. But that's limited to, the T1 is limited to, uh, well, theoretically, uh, 25 watts. I've put 35 in it. It didn't blow up, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the ZM2, I think, is limited to 15 watts. So that's not a whole lot of power. Uh, uh, most people on a boat, I would think, depending on, you know, if you have the electrical power uh, on my boat, I don't, so I'm going to stay with, you know, low-power operations, um, probably, you know, just uh, 5, 10 watts uh, at the most. But uh, people who have a bigger boats with uh, bigger battery banks and solar panels, you could easily use a 100-watt radio. So in that case, you would have to get a, uh, a bigger tuner, of course, and something that would survive the marine environment, basically. And that's where you're going to have to and a little bit of money. Um, I used to have a, an ICOM tuner on my uh, my previous boat, which was pretty good. Uh, it's it, and very uh, very uh, it, it was very rugged, so to speak, you know, for the uh, marine environment. 
what totally waterproof, uh, which was, was great. I think it was the Icon 120, but I think it's an older model. I'm sure they are, uh, they are more uh, recent model. There's a company also that's called, I think it's, uh, I'm not sure, S, um, SGM or... SG, yeah, S SGL or SGM. I know which one you're talking about, yeah. Something like that, yeah, something like that. Uh, those, they make pretty good tuners. I am going to review a tuner fairly soon, but it's a cheap uh, tuner from China. That's actually sold on, on Banggood, and it's, I think it's a 100-watt tuner, or it's automatic. But uh, it's, I'm not sure it would survive, a, you know, uh, a salt water environment. Uh, I would, I kind of doubt it. But it's certainly not waterproof. And, uh, but I would, I would probably use a, um, that, that's why I would spend a bit of money to get a good tuner, uh, uh, depending on the size of your boat. Otherwise, the Elecraft T1 is pretty good. The ZM2 is very good. It's not exceeding their rating, but um, if you want more power, I would get an ICOM or what that company is, GM or SMG or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and get an automatic tuner that's you know, totally waterproof. And that's not it's a good to say on you when you need it the most, you know. Yeah. Well... Gil, since the last time we talked, I went and bought a QRP, and I told you this on the, I sent you an email on this, but you reviewed mm -hmm. the uh, QRP Labs QXC Mini Morse code radio. And I thought, well, that looks like a good project to work on. So I went and bought one yeah. of those kits. I actually bought two of those kits. I bought one for 40 okay. meters, and I bought another one for 20 meters. And I spent literally five or six full days soldering that kit together, and I got to the last stage, uh -huh. and I put in... Uh, um, a, 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 a part in backwards and the part was one of those plugs that multiple pin right. plugs backwards and I could not get it unsoldered to put it in the right way and I eventually broke the circuit board so I was oh. so careful and I got everything right until the very last stage and suddenly it quit working so I've got to now go back and start working on the 20 meter one and hopefully I'll get that right, one ready right. hey what's been your Even <laughs> yeah what's been your experience with that little uh, little uh, Morse code radio how's it worked for you well I'm, I'm, I actually I have uh, already had two uh, two uh, CCX but the, uh, the bigger model not, mm -hmm. not the mini mm -hmm. the, the regular model Mm -hmm. I built two of those, one for 13 meters and one for 18 meters. And actually, I even built the uh, the amplifier that goes with it. That's like, uh, I think it's a 50, no, I don't remember how many watts. Um, but there's an amplifier also, a kit that uh, that you can uh, you can use with those radios, but I, I've never, I've only used it for the, for the video. I never used it after that because I, I don't, I don't, Amplifiers are really necessary, uh, and I've never needed one. So, uh, but yeah, the QCX is great. Mine, I also, I also messed it up because uh, it does function, and I did make contacts with it, but uh, it doesn't suppress the other sideband. So, basically, you have, you know, uh, CW uh, for most code is uh, is LSB, and you have uh, USB, the upper sideband, the lower sideband, and normally there is there are filters in the radio that, that eliminates the sideband you're not using, basically. And I still, I still get both side back. <laughs> okay. So I can hear a station on two different frequencies. And, that's, and, and sometimes I'm not even sure which one I'm transmitting on. So that's really, I'm going to have to, to uh, 
it's probably the the winding of uh, uh, the, the I think it was T1 the T1 transformer. I think I messed that one up. I'm gonna have to redo it. But that that was one of the hardest good. parts about building this kit was winding that yeah, little ballon. Yeah, that was hard. That was, and you don't you don't know if it's right until you get it all put together and then say something's not working and that's probably where it's going uh-huh. to be gone. That's probably it. That's probably it. And and it's always like when I finish a kit like that and most of the time, I mean, nine times out of ten, it walks straight out of the box. Sometimes I mess up. We all we all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but when it doesn't work, it some I just put it away and. I go back to it like months later. <laughs> That's exactly the way I am. I have a project, I get discouraged on it, I set it aside, and that's why I always have five or six projects in the in the works because I get frustrated with one and go to another one. The shiny object takes you know over. What I, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Now, now, if if I may, uh, if I may, uh, there is another radio that's made by QRP-Labs.com. Is the uh, the QDX? The QDX is a very tiny radio with a specific you know, the same size as the, the QCX, so the size of basically even smaller than a pack of cigarettes. Uh, that is a digital mode radio. So basically, out of the radio, you don't have a screen on it, you know, you only have the, the, the antenna connector, you have the, the, the power connector, and you have a USB connector. And that's it. And an, and an LED on the front. And nothing else. <laughs> so what you do, you connect that little tiny, tiny transceiver, it's a five-watt transceiver, and you connect that to your computer, and you're going to be able to use digital modes, like you're going to be able to send mail uh, to WinLink. Uh, probably, I think it was WinLink. I'll have to check on that. But you can use modes like uh, the one I use the most is uh, JS8, which is a, a chat mode, a digital chat mode, which is extremely sensitive. And can actually decode messages that are 24 decibels below noise level, meaning that you can't hear them. And they're so deep inside the noise that, and to, I mean, 24 decibels, is, 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 it's, it's magic. <laughs> really? I'm, I'm on the website right now looking at it, and it's, 65, it's, 60, it's $65. That's all it is, $65 right now. Right, right. Huh. So you don't need much. You don't need much. You don't need to spend a whole lot of money to, to get uh, radios that are extremely performant. Uh, the QDX, I think I had a a very low uh, power supply on it, and I the voltage wasn't very high. It was outputting two watts. And a friend of mine uh, got my signal in Virginia, you know, from from the south of France here. So uh, even with a couple watts, you're going to cover uh, extremely long range because it's so so sensitive and so good at uh, decoding signals that are so deep into the into the noise hmm. and uh, it's it's uh, and gs8 uh, you can download the program it's totally free you can go to gs8call.com gs8call.com and uh, download the program connect that to to your to your radio if you have a regular radio with a, a, a digital interface you can use it or if you, you build the, the QDX uh, from QRP Labs, uh, and you have for both, uh, it's, in my opinion, that's the, probably the, one of the best possible uh, mode, digital mode, that you could use on a boat. Okay. Because, yeah. And this covers 80, can, 40, 30, and 20 meters, it looks like. Yeah. Exactly. And you, you can leave it on. You can even leave it on 
and receive messages in the mailbox. So meaning you don't have to be listening to the radio to receive messages. Um, you can receive, you can leave the radio on because the, the, the current consumption is so low that it's you, you can it's negligible. You can leave it on 24/7. Basically, You're, it's never going to 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 to, uh, to draw you know to empty your batteries. Even if you even on a boat like mine uh, with a couple you know I think I have a two uh, 75 amp hour batteries, which they're not very big. But I don't have to worry at all about you know, current consumption uh, with a simple, small solar panel or you know, using the, the, my engine once in a while. It's going to, to recharge. Uh, so very low consumption, and you can leave it that on, and you can receive messages in the, in the mailbox. And you can even uh, use other stations uh, as relay stations to contact someone else. Okay. So and I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking at your YouTube channel. It looks to me like you have... Three or four, you got three videos, no, two videos on the QDX digital transceiver uh, build. So mm -hmm. you got a lot of information there. That, and I'll, pry, I'll oh, try yeah. to put links to those videos on the web, on the uh, show notes today. So, uh -huh. right. All right. So, in my opinion, for both, yeah, for both uh, that small, tiny uh, digital transceiver like that with the uh, you know, the low power but the very high performance uh, and, and the computer. You can you can use a Raspberry Pi uh, if, if you can find one right now. Yeah, I've, I've I've been looking for one. I haven't been able to find one. So I, I'm lucky. I have a I have a Raspberry Pi three here that I can that I'm setting up right now that I can use. But uh, I mean, you know, you can have a Raspberry Pi. Actually, you can just buy two of them and have a backup. You know, and you can buy two QDX and have a backup. The, the prices are so low. That uh, it's not it's not worth it not to have a second one, of course, uh, and uh, and have that set up in your boat, and that's definitely what I'm going to do with my boat. I'm going to have a Raspberry Pi with the Open CTN for navigation. Uh, I'll have a JSA core for the radio. So I'll have my little Raspberry Pi that's going to do my navigation, uh, that's going to do uh, my uh, radio communications, and uh, probably the other programs that I could set up on it, like. Uh, maybe like a, an anchor uh, alarm or something like that. So I'm sure there are plenty of programs for uh, Raspberry Pi that are, uh, you know, for boaters and, uh, and sailors that I can, that I can use. And that's, that's going to be my low power computer and, and communication uh, system, basically. That, uh, because my, my primary concern, because of the size of my boat, is, uh, is current consumption. So, uh, mm -hmm. so if I can set up something like that, that's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be really useful. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to your YouTube video where you're going over this because I think that'll be very interesting. Oh, let me turn off my phone. Okay, potential spam coming in. All right, but yeah, I think that'll be a great YouTube video for you to do because I'd be uh, watching that one for sure. Oh, absolutely, and uh, I, I don't know when I'm going to be able to do that. I mean, the season is starting here. The, the weather is, is getting much warmer. So probably uh, I'll probably be sailing pretty soon. Uh, I did have a problem with my boat; it was stuck in, in reverse. I think we talked about that last time. And uh, actually, I went back to it and messed up a little bit. You know, moved the lever and turned on the the, the motor, and, and it just started walking by itself. So. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so, sometimes they so they fix themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened in the gearbox. Uh, I'm not a mechanic, but uh, I just have to be a little bit, you know, a little careful of. 
yeah. maneuvering in the, in the port because the last time I, I almost uh, rear-handed the uh, multi-million-dollar yacht. You know, when I was just... <laughs> that's that's why you have liability insurance right uh, there. So okay. And 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 the, the the friend that I was with me was got really scared because I got stuck in reverse and I was going in reverse towards that multi-million boat, multi-million-dollar boat, and. The problem is that when I try to switch in, in you know, forward, I, I, I stayed in, in reverse. So I couldn't, I couldn't, it was stuck in reverse, and I could not stop the, the engine because to do that, I have to go inside the cabin and pull on the lever, you know, to, uh, to cut off the, the air intake. And so I, I didn't have time. And, but I wasn't going fast enough to, to have rudder authority, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so what I did is that I, I, I punched it full power, full water on one side. So, so my friend, who's not a sailor, saw me, you know, saw us going, that we were going to go crashing into that, that, that extremely expensive yacht. And all of a sudden, knowing that I'm in reverse, I, I go full power, like towards the boat. <laughs> he, he probably thought I was going nuts, you know. And, but I needed, the, I needed the speed to turn, otherwise I wasn't going to turn. You know, I was going to go straight into it. And I have a double under, so it's pointy. The stern is pointy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I would not have been pretty, you know. Yeah. And, 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 but I, I actually, I went fast enough that the boat started turning and I, I avoided the, the, the yard by know, three or four feet, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, a, it, was a, it was a harrowing moment. <laughs> Well, Gil, you're, I'm uh, going to be over on the boat on uh, May 12th, uh-huh. and uh, oh, yes, that's I, still quite a ways away from me. That's a long drive from where you're at, so I guess you're not going to come down and hang out with me, but it'd be fun. You're going to Spain, right? Correct. Yeah, I'll be in Almiramar, Spain on the, uh, on the 12th, working on the boat in the yard for about five days before I splash it, and then I'll be working my way down right. the coast. So. Well, we should try to make a radio contact. Uh, that would be uh, that would be cool. Yeah, if I can get contact. my if I can get my uh, radio working on the boat, that's one of the projects while it's out of the water, getting everything working. And of course, I wouldn't try to turn it on until I have that salt water ground. <laughs> but uh, that would right. be fun. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm a, I'm a phone call away if you need some uh, some help. All right. Thanks, Gil. I appreciate it. And uh, I'll be putting this out pretty soon. I'll I'll send you a link to it. Very good. And if people have questions, uh, they can go to also radiopreppers.com. Uh, that's radiopreppers with an S, plural, uh, dot com. And uh, there's a forum there that you can ask questions and sign up, and it's totally free. There's no ads or anything. Uh, there is the Radio Prepper uh, Facebook group also, and, of course, the, the main channel, which is the YouTube channel, uh, Radio Prepper, and I'm always there to, uh, to answer questions. So. Yep, and I have those all in the show notes from the last time we talked, and I'll just copy that. And I'm also going to put a couple links to these videos on the uh, the QDX digital transceiver that we've been talking about on your Excellent. YouTube videos. And I'm always happy that. to I'm always happy to to hear from sailors. You know, it's uh, it's a tight community, and uh, I mean the ham radio community also also is, I guess, and uh, it's you know it, it, that's a double whammy, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Gil. Thanks a lot. Let's keep in touch, okay? Very good. Okay. All right. Have a good one. You too. The website for Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond is www.medsailor.com. Again, medsailor.com. 
Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f What the f gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it.